This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, the Premier League is back and it has an all too familiar feel to it. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. My name is Martin Stark and each week I'll be joined by some familiar voices to reflect on all things Southampton Football Club. Coming up this week, reaction to the Everton game yesterday, a look at the comings and goings at St Mary's and your chance to win a brand new Saints shirt. And as always, a big thank you to all the patrons who have signed up to join us again this year, because without your continued support, none of this is possible. And thanks for all the messages as well after our first episode of the new season last week. Once again, I'm joined by our panel of Saints experts, owner of Saints Web, Steve Grant. Uh, You've been watching some football this week, Steve. How was the trip to Wales? Yeah, it was good. Ultimately disappointing to to lose by the odd goal in five, but for a club that's sort of new to the Football League to have given a given a side that's probably in with a shout for the playoffs in the Championship, given them a bit of a bloodied nose and put up a fight in that game. It's um, no, it very encouraging. And then had a had a uh, good night out in Pop World on the uh, on the Tuesday night after the game. So that was, that good was all good. A night out in Pop World. Yeah. <laughs> Child. <laughs> Said nobody ever. <laughs> uh, also with us is writer of the blog League One Minus 10, Glenn Delacour. Is it nice to be back in the swing of things, Glenn? Uh, no, um, no, I haven't been watching any football, including yesterday. So, uh, I, I guess it is. I mean, what what I took from the weekend on all the games was the, the main thing was having the fans back in the ground, and what a, what a huge difference it made yeah. to meaning it wasn't uh, this soulless vacuum. Um, you you really don't realise what you've got until it's gone. I think, and that's uh, that was a that was a nice thing to see yesterday, but that was about it. <laughs> as I'm sure we're going to talk about in a I'm minute. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. We're also joined by the Athletics' dedicated Saints reporter, Dan Sheldon, who it would seem dodged a bullet yesterday. Dan, talk to, tell us about your isolation and how it's going. Yeah, so I've been self-isolating since the start of last week. And as you say, I think you probably summed up perfectly in hindsight. It probably isn't the worst thing in the world that I, I missed a trip to Goodison Park. So yeah, aside from that, all good. Thank you. Good. Well, we've got plenty to dissect. So welcome to episode 164 of the Total Saints podcast. 
This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. We've got some brand new patrons this week. Let's give a shout to James Gray, who we think is in Australia because he's signed up and he's paying his subs in um, Australian dollars. So uh, hello to James. Also Simon Bly as well. And we've got our first Matt Letizier patron. This is Phil Cook who's joined this week. Uh, he says, I've been a Saints fan for 25 years. I've lived in Southampton for a while, was also a season ticket holder for seven years, covering League One to the Premiership days. I now live in St Albans and I've got a young family, so I can't get to as many games as I used to, but I'm still as passionate about the Saints as ever. And uh, Phil sent us a question because he says, uh, lots of experience has gone out the door this summer. Uh, Bertrand Ings, Vestergaard this week too. Uh, is this just coincidental timing? Or is it a symbol of something deeper rooted at the club? Uh, do senior players not buy into Ralph Ball? And is it perhaps better suited to younger, hungry, less experienced players due to being uh, quite a prescriptive of their positions at all times? So before we dissect yesterday's game, I think that's a really good place to start what with the comings and goings of, of last week. So is it just a coincidence and, and timing that those players have left when they did, Dan? I think with Ryan... He'd been at the club several years and his contract came to an end and you can almost understand him wanting a fresh challenge, something a bit different. Perhaps he wasn't at his best level in his last sort of year, year and a half, maybe two years. And while, of course, you can't replace you know, his experience, Ralph will feel that you can put in another player who is going to kind of run through a brick wall, do what do everything he kind of says and and so on. And with the Yannick, the, the Yannick Vestergaard one is really interesting for me because if he had gone to Leicester in January 2020, I don't think there would have been many fans sort of questioning it. I, I just, I can't see it. Well, we've he, been questioning Leicester's sanity. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you and then, driven him there, Steve. And he yeah. had, let, 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 let's not forget, he had a very good, a very, very good kind of start to last season until about sort of December, January, where he got injured and then didn't quite look the same player after that. Now, I'm not saying selling him was a good idea, but I'm just saying I, I don't get the kind of criticism directed at the club for selling Vestergaard. I think they got pretty good money for a player that in his time at the club played well for four, five, six months, maybe. Uh, it's easy to forget the rest of you know the rest of his performances, which had everyone pulling their hair out. Uh, Danny Ings, look, is it ever a good idea to sell Danny Ings? However, the club spin it. I don't know. They obviously got great money. And I guess Adam Armstrong played well yesterday, which I'm sure we're going to touch on later. But I don't think you sit there at, as the club and go, right, okay, well, we're going to get rid of this experienced player, this experienced player, and this experienced player. Vestergaard, I, I reported earlier in the year that Vestergaard was always likely to move on this summer. Danny Ings, as I said last week, the club were surprised. The club were totally planning for him to be here. They didn't think anyone was going to come in for him at no point until... You know, Christian Perslow picked up the phone and said, can we have Danny Ings? Did they think he was going anywhere? Although his intention was clearly to move on. And in terms of the, the second half of the question about young hungry players, the way Ralph trains isn't to everybody's liking. You know, it's intense, it's hard. He, he expects a lot and not everyone wants to do that. So he will feel with the young players coming in, the Tino Livramento, Adam Armstrong, Roman Perot, Armando Brogia, that they are all going to run through brick walls and carry out his instructions for him. And, and that's exactly what he wants. They're the people he wants in the building. So was it a plan to lose all the experienced players? I wouldn't think it is, especially Danny Ings. 
And are we surprised to see Ralph signing younger players? Absolutely not, because it's what he's done in the past and what it's what he'll continue to do. And the other thing I've, I've read a bit about this week is that those the players just aren't willing now to commit to a club for life. We don't see those the, those one club heroes anymore. I know I think it was Francis Bernardi that was talking about this in an interview this week. Those those days are gone. So I guess we fall in love with the players. We just need to get to expect that they will eventually move on and not mourn when they've gone. And um, were you happy with the ins that we got this week, Glenn? Because we were talking last week about Armstrong and, and Brozier potentially coming in. Those deals were were completed on Monday and Tuesday and suddenly things look a bit more positive. Yeah, they do. We seem to have re- recruited the right profile players in terms of positions. Whether they are ultimately good enough remains to be seen and you just hope that the scouting has been done. Initial signs yesterday on the ones that did play, certainly Livermento and Armstrong look good. Perot, I think, is going to take a little bit of time to, to get up to speed. Yeah, but overall, I think the, the incomings... They're not disasters, you know. I mean, it's far too it's far too early to tell. Uh, I mean, I don't know why Brozier wasn't on the bench yesterday. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's got a knock or something like that. Uh, who was the striker on the bench yesterday? There wasn't one. There wasn't one. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Out of nine. Yeah. So Ibafemi wasn't on there, and no. I know Shane, Shane Long wasn't on there because that was the first thing I checked, mm. just to make sure. Um, <laughs> so, but no, over, overall, I've been I've been happy with the incomings. Just to touch on something Dan said there. Did I read somewhere that Danny Ings admitted that Saints was only ever a one-contract thing? Yeah, there was an interview in the Telegraph on Thursday, I think. Just seemed very cold. Yeah. Yeah, it seems cold because of the hometown connection sort mm. of thing. You can maybe understand it from a player from a different part of the country or or someone like Vestergaard from a foreign country. But then Saints have set themselves up as this, you know, our, our model is to bring players in, improve them. And if they do well, they move on to a bigger club. That's why a lot of these players join us. So, and that's that's the club. That's nothing to do with the manager. That's that's been a club policy for quite a long time. You know, going right back to Sadio Mane, Virgil Van Dijk days. You know, there was always this intention that they'd uh, prove themselves and then move on. So I don't think we can be particularly surprised if players do well and, and want to move on. Expectations from fans, isn't it? And, and not falling in love with them too much. I think that's. Uh... That's where we've got to be. Let's move on to the game from yesterday. Uh, Looking back at our predictions from last weekend, Steve, did we expect anything other than a defeat, really? Uh, No. I mean, it's the double whammy of opening day of the season where we've won, I think, two in the Premier League era and Goodison Park where we've won one in the Premier League era. So to be honest, it's kind of a good thing to get, get combine the two into one game and just get it out of the way with. It was it was frustrating because the first half was so promising and yet it's also kind of very Groundhog Day, isn't it? This is exactly the sort of stuff we were discussing that last season in that we would have a decent first half. Um, the opposition would realise that they've kind of underperformed. The manager would identify something, uh, make a slight adjustment, even if it's just an adjustment in the tempo that they play at. And you could already see at the start of the second half that that opposition is already pushing us back and causing us problems. And, and we, don't, we don't seem to have any idea of how to react to this situation. And we obviously shot ourselves in the foot by conceding a pretty soft goal, what, two minutes into the second half? The, the crowd at Goodison Park is, is, is one of those where basically if you give them a reason to kind of be optimistic and get up then it becomes a very difficult place for an away team to play football 
in the first half, we found it relatively easy because they were getting on the players' backs because uh, we were hassling and harrying them, forcing them into mistakes, creating a few chances. Obviously, scored scored a goal that, I mean, from Everton's perspective, is an absolute shocker. Yeah. Um, but we forced that with with the way that we were we were pressing them and forcing them into these mistakes. But that kind of stopped in the second half. Yeah, it was all very predictable. I mean, not a huge amount we could do about the second goal, I think. But the third goal's poor. I mean, you've got Jack Stevens coming out in the post-match interview saying, we know that this is a problem. We need to stay switched on. I mean, you're the guy that let Calvert-Lewin run and didn't even bother to, tra- to track him back into the six-yard box, mate. Eventually, players have got to take responsibility for their own actions. Last week, we were trying to predict what the, the starting eleven might be, and I don't think any of us would have got that right. Um, <laughs> no. So it's probably a good job we didn't put any money on that. Uh, Glenn, I think you said you would have made five changes um, yesterday. There were five surprises well, there for you. On the face of it, I mean, bearing in mind, you don't know everything that goes on. You don't know who's got a little knock or whatever. But starting lineup was completely bizarre. I mean, the goalkeeper was a flip of a coin. One of the reasons our starting lineup was was decent last year were Carl Walker Peters and Stuart Armstrong down the right hand side. They're they're two of our best players, without a doubt. And for, for both of those to be left out, that's bizarre. Livramento looked brilliant in the first half. In the second half he just seemed to go off the pace a little bit. And is that a surprise? It's probably his first ever game of high intensity men's football. So to start him and expect him to do 90 minutes. I mean, how, how does anyone know how long he's really going to last at full intensity at 18 years old? So that was a bizarre one, unless Walker-Peters has got an injury. But then, you know, he's on the bench. So what's going on there? As Steve's touched on, Jack Stevens against Dominic Calvert-Lewin was never going to end well. It just just isn't. Um, and it's funny we mentioned Vestergaard. We could have done with hanging on to him for one more game, to be honest, because he had Calvert-Lewin in his pocket at St Mary's last year. But the, the main problem I found with the starting line, I, I'm going to hereby apologise for suggesting that Theo Walcott should have started last week because he was dreadful. On the other wing, Gianepo was all flicks and tricks, but ultimately nothing. You know, there, were, there was nothing coming in. Those two number 10s, as Ralph calls them, are supposed to be our most creative players. They're, the, they're supposed to supply the forward line. The two forwards created the goal by themselves. They created the snapshot for Armstrong that Pickford beat away. They created that by themselves. They got nothing from the wings. Absolutely nothing. There was nothing up to the forwards at all. So when it went to 1-1, I thought, you know, we're going we're gonna to really struggle to score another goal here. And, and so it proved. And once Everton scored again, that was the end of that. And Dan, I know that Ralph was asked about this after the game. How did he justify leaving um, Carl Walker-Peters and, and Armstrong on the bench? Because it's, it's quite early in the season to have people asking those big questions. He just said he'd, he'd pick players based on how they performed throughout pre-season and then kind of added the caveat that although Tino hasn't really had much of a pre-season here in terms of playing games. So I guess he's he's looked at Tino in training and thought, yeah, you're up to the task. I like I like your attitude. I like what you're doing. He obviously came on against Athletic Bilbao and set up the goal, which was obviously a great pass. But I was as equally surprised as everyone else, minus Alex McCarthy, because I, I picked him anyway. But I don't actually think, especially the first half, I don't think you can look at that starting eleven and say that Ralph got it wrong. I don't think he did. What Ralph got wrong was in the second half when every single person could see that changes need to be made, that... Tino was struggling and bring on Kyle a bit more experience at 1-0. And then the forward players, as, as Glenn mentioned, 
the chances they created were created by themselves. They didn't have any kind of service. And Jenepo, on the face of it, probably had one of his better games. But but as Glenn said, it's all twists, turns, and I beat one more man, and he never beats that one more man. Or you know, he he try and play a pass that's not quite there. You're looking at you thinking you've got Stuart Armstrong on the bench, Nathan Teller, Nathan Redmond. For for so long, Ralph has bemoaned the fact that he hasn't got a squad big enough or he hasn't got any substitutes that can help change a game. Well, it's no good having them and not using them. And that was kind of my my main takeaway. I thought first half, they were great. Second half, Benitez reacted and, and Ralph didn't. And, you know, Southampton paid the price. And I think it's Steve made a good point earlier as well and where he said that the crowd at Goodison Park... And that is something that now Southampton are going to have to deal with. At 1-0 at Goodison Park with no fans in there, you'd imagine Everton, you're just not going to have anything. They get that goal and the game could peter out at one all. But as soon as that crowd's there now on Southampton's players' backs and and everything Everton do, they're kind of willing them on. It's going to make such a big difference this season, I think. And obviously it's a great thing, but Southampton were just on the wrong end of it yesterday. And it's not going to be any easier back at St. Mary's in front of a, a sellout either. Um, I'm just thinking, are there any positives we can take out of yesterday, Steve? We scored on the opening day of the season. That's that's something. Yeah, I mean, Armstrong's off the mark straight away, which is which is always always good when you pay decent money for a centre forward. If you kind of want them to get that feeling of scoring a goal, sort of started immediately, and yeah, he, he did that and. I mean, it's a great finish. Not not entirely sure he needed to absolutely welly it into the top corner when he's one on one with the keeper, but fair play for having the confidence to do it. I mean, yeah. I mean, as as Dan said, Livermento was excellent first half. I was, I mean, much like everybody else, I was looking at that starting lineup and thinking this is a little bit left field. And then the first twenty five minutes, twenty five thirty minutes or so, you looked at the way that Livermento was dribbling with the ball and interchanging with players on that right flank. You thought. Okay, that's that's why he's picked him. This this makes a little bit of sense. Um, but yeah, second half there were a lot of balls that went over his head, and um, they got a lot of joy down down that flank. As Dan said, it might have been an idea to uh, kind of take him out of the firing line after about an hour or so and bring in slightly more experience. But yeah, I mean there there are some positives. But yeah, I mean it, it does. As I said earlier, it does have a distinct Groundhog Day feel to it, doesn't it? I don't know what you guys think, but it just seems to me that the lessons haven't been learned and these are the same things that he was talking about last season after a game where we get to 80 minutes and we played well in the first half we started the second half we let a sloppy goal in and then it all just falls apart from there and we've talked about whether it's because they don't have enough leaders at the back or whether they tire too quickly but I just feel that we haven't really learned from the lessons and and that's all they talk about each week we must learn from this we've worked on this and we're yet to see it put into practice. Yeah, I mean, we lose or we learn. That was his. That was his tagline when he first um, when he first joined. Well, he, he should have. We haven't learned a thing. No, he, <laughs> sh- he should have been doing quite a lot of learning over the last six months. Um, I saw the the famous um, annual league table, you know, calendar year league table, and we're we're bottom. There, there doesn't appear to be many lessons being learned. Ralph's got a lot more responsibility now because he has got a squad to pick from, as as Dan said, and uh, yeah, initially I kind of. I kind of went with the starting lineup because I was thinking, okay, this is obviously him picking the players who, who were doing well. But the, the the longer the game went on, especially into the second half, I, I just sort of I came to realise that players like Walcott, Gineppo, Stevens, they're not good enough to be first team starters. And the more of that sort of player you have in the team, the harder it's going to be. And we are soft. And you, you talk about the experience. I'm sorry, I'm going on at Jack Stevens here. Stevens is 27 now. 28 he's got enough experience of playing 
Premier League football. So I, I don't think we can say we have no no leaders at the back. Yes, the other three, you know, one one's new, one's young, and and the other one, Salasu, is you know he's only been here a year and he's still a little bit raw. But yeah, I, I would say that, that the lessons have not been learned, and and that's that's both the players and the manager. Well, we know there might be one more addition at least at the back. Dan Ralph's been quite vocal about this week. He's been quite honest about that. What are your thoughts on who might come in? Do you know where they're looking? What we might expect to see over the next week or so? Well, they're looking for a player that that can play kind of more than one role. And I think after yesterday, it, it's evident that they do need strengthening at the back. Um, Ralph likes two players for every position. And at the moment, they've only got three centre-halves. Although you watch yesterday's game and you speak to people afterwards and they all saying the same thing. At the back, Southampton can, can get away with it at times. But going forward, they, they just don't have a player that can create anything. And again, you're watching that match on Saturday and you are thinking the same. You are thinking, well, where's this goal going to come from or who's going to create what? But in terms of, yeah, their, their main target now, of course, is replacing Yannick and that search is well underway. There's kind of been talk that the player could come from Europe. So if that's the case, then... I guess that deal may take a little bit longer to complete. But yeah, I'm sure Ralph will want someone in by the time five-star Man United turn up at St. Mary's ne- next weekend. <laughs> you look at look at it though. I mean, last year we had we had Vestergaard and we had Bednarek. The combinations that we got this season, the defence is going to be worse. At the, you know, as it stands at the moment, the defence isn't as good as last season's defence. And and, that's, and that was a bad, that's a horrible, in, horrible in, thing to say. In, and we let in, we let in 60-odd goals. There needs to be something done. I mean, yeah, ideally we'd like a centre-half who can also play left-back to cover Perot. But, you know, we need a proper central defender. I don't think we can mess around with this and expect to pick one up for five million quid like we did with Bednarek back in the day and, and give him time to develop. I think we, well, Gary Cahill's available yeah. immediately. Yeah, I mean, we had that conversation about Gary Cahill two years ago. He must be about forty-six by now. <laughs> but we'd still take him, wouldn't we? The the club wouldn't, but we would still probably take someone like that to to stick in at the back and Could, put didn't, a foot in. didn't he price himself out of a Crystal Palace day? Oh god, isn't that what happened? I don't, I don't know. So we've got yeah. no chance. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to come cheap. Well, he was he was supposedly on about hundred grand a week at Palace in the two year deal that he that just elapsed. I would imagine that Palace were looking to reduce that fairly significantly. I mean, meet halfway. But he's not really the, the answer given, though, is given, he? He's, I mean, it's the 30s. Well, it's a- but, he, but he, kind of, he kind of covers a few bases in that um, not only has he got experience of actually being successful, I mean, he's a Champions League winner, uh, Europa League winner, Premier League winner. He used to play for Chelsea as well. We always signed them. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. He gives us that experience and the and the leadership that at the moment we're sorely lacking. The only organisational voice we have at the back is Jack Stevens, and the problem is that that is the only asset that Jack Stevens has as a Premier League defender because he's not a, he's not a Premier League quality defender, um, and you can't have someone in there who's okay. He's going to organise everybody else, but he can't organise his own game, and that's a problem. So having someone like Cahill alongside either Salasu or Bednarek to kind of organise those two defenders who are kind of raw raw attributes are, are there for all to see. And you can see that they will be good with the right coaching and environment. And I mean, I thought Salasu actually was excellent yesterday, apart from when he let when he ducked under the ball um, for Richarlison's equaliser. Yeah. Just, just to say, I've just got it up now. So Southampton conceded 68 goals last year. 
Crystal Palace then conceded 66. So just throwing it out there about Gary Cahill. I mean, they, they, they were just as bad as Southampton, if not marginally better by two goals. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they had they had one huge defeat as well, didn't yeah, they? They, got, they yeah. shipped no, seven I, I do see the Liverpool argument. I know, I do see. I was just playing devil's advocate. I do see, you can see the, the need for a bit of experience in there, can't you? Otherwise, it's going to be a long old slog. Yeah, I mean, even if it's just for a year yeah, while, yeah. while you kind of scout somebody who's going to be something a little bit more long-term. Yeah. But as, it's a bit of both, isn't it? As, as I guess you'd say, take a bit of column, from column A and a bit from column B in terms of you want them to go and buy a proper centre half and spend the money on one. But at the same mm. time, if they've got a bit of experience, then that's even better. But it's, I mean, is is Phil Jones a viable option? Well, I read this morning that he didn't he didn't want to give up his number four shirt, four shirt at Man United. That was amusing. I mean, he's I mean he's not going to play a minute for Man United. No. We do have a number four there shirt is... free as well, don't we? At the moment, so. yeah, we do. They're, they're... He's not going to yeah, play I mean, a minute they're... for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he's been injured for about six years, hasn't he? You're listening to the Total Saints podcast, going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Now, this week on the podcast, I'm pleased to say that we've got a special guest, founder and former host of the TSP, Ben Stanfield. Hi, Ben. Hi, Martin. How are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. Um, lots of messages from lovely patrons last week uh, just asking about Ben and what he was up to and, of course, not being involved as a host this year. So I thought, well, the best thing to do is probably get Ben on and ask him. Can we just clear up the rumour, first of all, you've not been poached by another club. You're not doing an Aston Villa podcast for double the money. <laughs> I can confirm that is the case, Martin. I can 100% <laughs> confirm that I'm sounding a little hoarse because I was shouting Tino, Tino, Tino too enthusiastically first half at Goodison Park yesterday. So yes, I'm 100% committed to Saints still. Good. Um, Because Dan's been isolating, you were our eyes and ears at Goodison Park yesterday. So how was it? How was the atmosphere? How was it to be back? It was good. I mean, it was great to be back um, to to football. I think, you know, Goodison Park was full. Obviously, the result was disappointing as uh, you and the guys will have been talking about in this week's pod. But um, look, I mean, Saints fans, I know there was only uh, half the allocation there, did a fantastic job of um, supporting the team. There was a a good bit of banter, of course, between uh, away fans and home fans. And, you know, obviously, it was great to see Adam Armstrong score his first goal. And, you know, I was there with my um, little son, uh, Oliver, who's eight. So it was his first Saints game ever. Um, And it was a brilliant moment to be able to pick him up and celebrate and uh, enjoy that. Obviously, the second half went in true Saints style. But yeah, in terms of just getting back to the football, Martin, and being there and feeling that atmosphere and feeling a part of it, I mean, that's what, you know, as as people say, football is nothing without fans, is it? So it was uh, great to be able to get back there and enjoy watching it. I'm kind of intrigued to see what the reaction was like to Rafa Benitez as well from the the home fans. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty quiet first half, to be honest, because uh, Saints were obviously on top, so there wasn't much noise at all. Uh, And then, of course, second half, they turned it on and, uh, you know, up their game and we didn't. So actually, there wasn't much for them to get too frustrated about. I think um, there was a a fairly sort of decent cheer for him at the start of the game. But I think we know as football fans, we're all fickle, aren't we? If uh, if your football manager starts winning games, you don't really care what his background is and what he's done and what he's said before and things like that. So time will tell. But in terms of yesterday, they all seemed uh, fairly positive, to be honest. We've spoken this week about the well, the shock and surprise at the the starting lineup yesterday. Did you pick that up among the the Saints fans? Was there a bit of a uh, bit of bit of surprise and a bit of confusion? Yeah, I can only speak for myself, but it's great, isn't it? First game back, you sat there and you you know you're hearing the Everton announcer reading out the team, and you just sat there shaking your head straight away. And yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I mean, obviously I, the Everton team came out, and you thought, well, that sounds pretty, you know, what you would have expected as their eleven. It looks pretty strong. Um, and then straight away, you know, you see Jack Stevens up there, bless him, and uh, obviously Livermento in and Gineppo 
and things like that. So, yeah, I think there was an element of surprise. Um, you know, even sort of uh, later on in the game, which we potentially talk about in a minute, you know, I, I, I was surprised at when the subs came and who they were and things like that. You know, the fact that Stuart Armstrong, one of our best players, played zero minutes, you know, hopefully there's more to that than the fact that Ralph didn't think it was the, the sort of game for him. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the starting lineup, I was surprised. But, uh, you know, Ralph's the manager. And as we know, managers live and die by their decisions. And, um, you know, he obviously thought it was the formation and lineup that would work. And who were the standout players for you in the first half? Obviously, Armstrong getting off the, the, the score sheet. Yeah, um, I thought Livermento played well at right back. Um, you know, he had Lucas Dean and uh, Rakalson on his side. Um, Theo Walcott wasn't providing masses of defensive support. So bearing in mind it was his debut as well, I thought he did a really, really good job at right back. Obviously, second half, they upped their game, as I say. And, uh, you know, again, without much support, they did sort of overrun him a little bit. So I thought he had a good game. Shea Adams worked hard. You know, he was obviously um, trying to sort of win flick on, set up the goal for Adam Armstrong. And uh, again, you know, I thought Armstrong looked really, really good for a player that stepped up from the the championship um you know he was quick he was putting himself around closing down obviously took his goal fabulously well and to be fair to him and much like the whole team martin they didn't really give him much service in the second half so he didn't get much of a chance but those three i thought stood out particularly livermento and armstrong and then second half it had that predictability we we kind of knew what was going to come we've been there before we've seen this before is is that how it felt as it unfolded in front of you yeah, it's it's just so frustrating, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, Saints, if, if games were only 45 minutes, I mean, we'd be one of the best teams in the world, I reckon. But uh, it was just, you know, I don't know whether it's tactical changes. Um, you know, they obviously came out. I think they got a corner about 15 seconds into the second half. I mean, it kind of set the tone. They were straight at us. Uh, we obviously let in a, a goal that Salasso and McCarthy seemed to leave it to each other. And I heard Jack Stevens say after the game that that goal killed us. And you kind of worry about that as a Saints fan, that, you know, it was only an equaliser and there was still 45 minutes to go. And, that was the sort of mentality but yeah they just um you know they they took the game to us and we didn't really get out of our own half for much of the second half and um it was frustrating and uh, i suppose you know based on our record at goodison park martin it was typical really well we did talk about this last week we we never win the first game and we never really win <laughs> at goodison so i don't know quite what what we're expecting but yeah. um one thing we did talk about um was the the strength of depth on the bench that was a mm. problem for us last year we never really had the players to bring on yep. you've got the likes of carl walker peter you've got Stuart Armstrong on the bench and some of the others too that can come in he just seemed to take it too long and I know Ralph has said that he felt the team were getting back into the game at that point but yeah. you just feel like that injection and the, the fresh legs and just the, the motivation from the fans might have, have helped 100% I mean obviously they equalised and then they had a good sort of 5-10 minutes and uh, yeah I mean it got to about 65 minutes and Saints had got themselves back into the game you know Gineppo and Puri down the uh, left side were having a bit of luck and you felt at that moment as a Saints fan I was stood there thinking now is the time to bring on Nathan Teller for Theo Walcott now's the time to bring on Stuart Armstrong for Gineppo and go and win this game and he didn't do that and then they obviously brought on Awobi who I don't necessarily rate but again he changed the game and sort of helped um, give them a bit of positivity and they scored I think about 5 minutes after they they made the sub and it was kind of, you know, fair play to Everton almost. They'd made that move and they got rewarded for it. And that was one of the frustrations, which I think lots of Saints fans have, have since felt about the game is that, you know, there was a chance there for Ralph to make an impact in the game and he didn't do it. And ironically, as managers do, he brought on Teller and uh, Diallo, I think it was, literally straight after they scored the second goal. And it was kind of like game over by then. So, yeah, lots of frustration around Martin. But... As I say, it's the first game of the season, is it? And, you know, I know that this is sort of a, an overhanging run from the end of last season, but I, I suppose it's important that we don't lose the plot straight away. Yeah, we'll take some positives from it. Um, <laughs> tell us a bit about the work you've been doing um, over the summer on the, the podcast and the website and uh, the bits with the patrons. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's been a busy summer. Um, obviously, I made the decision towards the end of last season that I wasn't going to carry on, um, take a bit of a break and spend more time with the, the family. We've just got a, well, she's 12-week-old now, puppy, uh, a black lab <laughs> called Luna. So I'm you know, entertaining and training or trying to train her. So lots going on. And, uh, you know, my children are eight and five now. So I was keen to obviously spend a little bit more time with them at the weekends. And, you know, as much as I love football and as much as I love the podcast, I suppose, uh, you know, doing that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's been a re- really busy sort of uh, month or so working with Alex the producer who lots of people will know now so you know we've been working on a, a number of things as uh, I think you mentioned on the the, the pod last week we've uh, re- revised the tiers so we've now got four tiers Bobby Stokes uh, Ricky Lambert Francis Benali and our 20 pound Matt Letizia to hopefully give the listeners and, and patrons out there a bit more flexibility we're obviously incredibly grateful for their support as I know you'll be emphasizing so working on that we've uh, obviously spent a bit of time looking for a new host and you know did uh, fantastically well through some of Alex's contacts to find yourself Martin obviously very excited about listening to your work this season and some fresh ideas um, we've updated the branding we uh, got TSP uh, or Total Saints registered as a limited company now so that we can start to uh, think a little bit more with our business heads and you know as chief bean counter as I think my official job is now that's obviously going to give me a, a little bit more to, to work on and um, yeah you know we, we, we're sort of working on something with um, one of our patrons at the moment that will be coming out in the, the next few weeks which hopefully will be a, a bit of an online store where some of our listeners can buy um, uh, sort of memories and images of, of Saints yesteryear and some of the iconic moments that have, have happened throughout the uh, the years so watch this space on that but yeah it's been a, a really busy few weeks getting us to the position where I can sort of hand over the reins to you as host and everything else will sort of work in the background. Well, I promise not to call you every week, uh, <laughs> but it's great to have you still there and it'd be great to get you on and, and, and get your insight um, throughout the season. Yeah, no, that'd be great. And, uh, you know, just to, to say, I, I know um, I've not had a chance to necessarily say it. Um, obviously, you know, absolutely looking forward to, to listening to you and the guys. But just to, to say, you, you mentioned earlier about the messages, just to say, uh, you know, incredibly grateful and, and, and humbled by them. You know, I've, I've had a lot of messages the last week and really proud of where TSP's got to. You know, I'm, I'm really excited by, I suppose, where it can go. And more importantly, that everyone out there has got a, a chance to keep listening to it as it sort of goes forward. So, you know, glad it's happy to um, sort of carry on. And yeah, as you say, if Dan's stuck on the MC, or something like that one night I can drop in but um, yeah just want to sort of say a massive thank you to everyone that supports the podcast up until now and no doubt will do in the future Final question your son's not been put off by yesterday has he? Do you know what there, 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 I, I got the sense that he was going to burst into tears on the way out so I was trying to sort of remind him that football's just a game you know you win some you lose some and uh, and all that sort of thing and he, he managed to compose himself but I've got to say you know it was his first game and uh, he was getting into all the songs obviously I was trying not to encourage him to sing the inappropriate ones but uh, yeah I think he really enjoyed it and obviously it was disappointing and fingers crossed Martin uh, the next time that we go and see them uh, there'll be a win and then he'll uh, enjoy it even more This is the Total Saints Podcast proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons I was out for um, for some lunch yesterday and the Man United game was on in the corner of the pub and I could just see the goals going in out of the corner of my eye and my heart was sinking thinking about Sunday and, and what might happen there. Great start for, for United yesterday. Who starts on Sunday at St Mary's for you, Glenn? Oh, my word. Um, I, I, well, no, we'll play the same formation because we always do. I mean, it's got to be better than last time against United, isn't it? Um, <laughs> one would hope um, hold, hold my beer I don't know I mean you know I'd, I'd start Carl Walker-Peters and Armstrong I'd, mm. I'd probably start Livermento in front of Carl Walker-Peters on the right wing 
I, I certainly wouldn't start the the three players that have uh, have dug out already. I know Bednarek was missing probably because he's been on paternity leave. As Roy Keane legendarily said in commentary once, he didn't have the baby himself, did he? So uh, <laughs> I um, I would hope he's available next week. I don't know. I mean, after yesterday's starting lineup, I think it's a bit pointless trying to guess. I know what I'd do, but I just hope I just hope the man, the man that matters gets it gets it right this week. And as and as Dan said, he 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 recognises that a change needs making. You know, he recognises when a change needs making, and actually does it because there's no excuses now to leave an underperforming player on the pitch. If, it, if someone has a dreadful first half, one of the forwards, and you've got lots of players on the bench. Um, it all went a bit Gareth Southgate in the final, didn't it? Yeah. Where he's got all these options and suddenly he gets decision incontinence and, and doesn't seem to know what to do with it. Um, you've got too many options. It makes it too difficult. But at the end of the day, we play Man United. If we get, you know, no one's expecting anything. If we get beat, we get beat. As long as we don't get humiliated, um, as long as we have a go and look like we know what we're doing, then I think there'll be a bit of a bit of latitude given for this game. There certainly should be anyway. How important is home form going to be this season, do you think, Steve? That's something we need to get right with the fans back at St Mary's. Uh, yeah, I think so. Because the, the worry is that you start badly at home and then all of a sudden everybody's coming to games thinking that, oh God, it's an absolute drag. Me actually having to make my way here and, and watch a seemingly underperforming team. And yeah, I mean, you, you, want, to, you want to make a fast start at home. I mean, obviously the fixture list hasn't hasn't been particularly kind in in this instance, but I think I think a lot of people will recognise that the kind of disparity in the two clubs' resources means that you've got to have a certain degree of realism, but at the same time you've got to, you've got to at least show you're you're putting up a fight. And if we if we do that, if and we still get beat, fine, okay, no problem, we move on to the next one. But I think you need to have that kind of demonstration that there's something to be supported there as opposed to what we've had kind of kind of in the past I mean, not last year because we we weren't too bad at home last season but um so the three years or so before that where we we were getting like four or five wins at home a season you kind of I mean what's what is there to support in in that situation it's it's all a little bit I don't know just kind of feels like you get you you turn up to games sort of hoping for the best but expecting the worst and it, and it, it doesn't really help anybody all right so let's do predictions for sunday then um i won't embarrass any of us by going back through last week's for uh, for the everton game um let's start with you glenn what are you thinking what you're hoping for what do you reckon well i'm, I'm hoping for a miraculous win but <laughs> I, I can't i can't see that happening somehow so uh, i'd have to say we'll get beat two nil Okay. Uh, Dan, prediction for the weekend? Uh, 4-0 Man United. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and is that us getting away lightly? Yep. <laughs> um, Steve? Uh, I think we'll score. But yeah, I mean, that defence is kind of terrifying at the moment. So um, yeah, 3-1 three, three, United. And I can see a familiar pattern. I can see a scoring goals. I think at the weekend, I can see a goal maybe first half and then getting paid back. And then it's difficult to look past the familiar scenario at the moment where then it all starts to fall apart. So I think we'll score, but I don't think we'll hold on for the win. I think we might get away with the 2-1. So fingers crossed competition time now the new season is here and we've got together with kits and kicks on twitter to give one lucky saints fan the chance to win a brand new shirt of their choosing 
To enter, you just have to follow both the Total Saints podcast and Kits and Kicks on Twitter and retweet the competition post. The winner will be chosen this coming Wednesday. That's the 18th at 7 o'clock. So you should have your shirt in time for the Manchester United game on Sunday. Need to talk about the fantasy... Premier League, the uh, the Total Saints podcast, patrons, fantasy Premier League season has begun. I think anybody with Bruno Fernandes as a captain is going to be happy today. Oh, hey, Steve. That'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> How happy were you yesterday? Kind of, yeah. I mean, from a pure fantasy Premier League perspective, yeah, absolutely delighted. But obviously seeing that he's already in form ahead of next week is kind of less so. It's the double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah. Double-edged sword. So James Taylor is currently top of our league uh, with Che of Chase, Mo Salah as captain, Bruno Fernandes as vice-captain and Schmeichel in goal. I felt bad because I didn't transfer Danny Ings out um, and I had every intention of doing that. And then, of course, he got the penalty yesterday. So, bittersweet. Dan, did you manage to miss out on this completely in the end? I don't really like fantasy football, to be honest. I just don't understand it. I don't... I did a team last season and it. I spent about 30 minutes. By the time the transfer window ended, about four of the players were no longer playing in the Premier League. And I, I couldn't figure out how to take them out of the team. So I just deleted the app and that was that. And yeah, I'm just not not made for fantasy football. It's not your thing. No. That's fine. But uh, I wish Glenn- it was because it's, you know, I know so many people that play it and have a good laugh doing it, but I just can't get my head around it. It does take up a lot of your time. Uh, were you happy with the team yesterday, Glenn? A few points? Um, yeah, it's one of those things where I don't, it's, it's very much a secondary thing. So to be honest, I've got it up on my phone now and I've seen that I've done reasonably well, but I honestly haven't looked at it um, since I uh, slammed the laptop Since 7am this morning. At, at 5 o'clock <laughs> yeah, after the game yesterday. Um, yeah, vowing not to watch Match of the Day last night. We weren't last on Match of the Day again, were we? I don't think. I would assume that regardless of the context, Burnley against Brighton would always be your last pick for Match of the Day. <laughs> My thanks to Steve, to Glenn and to Dan. I look forward to chatting again after the Manchester United game, which should be an interesting one. To find out more about becoming a Total Saints patron, don't forget to check out the website. This year, there's a level for everyone, starting with the Bobby Stokes tier for just £5. And don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a rating and a review. On the socials, we are at Total Saints Pod. That's on Twitter and Facebook. You can always drop us an email via the website. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week and enjoy the game on Sunday. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.